Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. All right. Hello, everybody. You've made it to graduation day. We are going to tackle parts one and two in one big sitting. So prepare your butts. I am uh, Dennis St. John. I'm here to host and make my own comments. Uh, we have with us Michael Foley. Hello. I've seen all of Buffy up to season three now, including these exciting finales. I'm so excited to finally graduate. <laughs> we got with us our doctor of, of medicine and the macabre. Hi, I'm so excited to start watching uh, Angel season one. <laughs> and our professional professor. Hi, I'm John. Uh, I'm really excited to be done with uh, fake high school and also done with real high school with my high school friends. All right. Um, so let's jump in. First, we're going to talk about uh, reactions we've had in this last week from um, the episode Earshot. <laughs> audience reactions uh we had some good reactions from um uh rich aka at dingo action on twitter um who gave our review of surf to die for's one star review five stars um burn surf to die for (laughs) uh and in reaction to uh we we talked about whether true blood is a ripoff of earshot um rich said that uh he asked isn't it also a mortal slash vampire relationship and then I was like, yeah, but does that make it a ripoff? Surely that's happened before, right? Um, and he said, uh, good points. I don't know whether there's a precedent for the romance angle. Maybe Love at First Bite, which is the um, uh, George Hamilton vampire <laughs> movie. Wow. <laughs> Apparently underrated. Uh, there's also One Spitten and uh, Best Friends of Vampire. Uh, <laughs> All right. And then we have some YouTube reactions. Um, Mike, do you want to read those? Silver Spike says, uh, just a thought. Have you actually tried looking at other Buffy podcasts and YouTube reviews? Because sticking to the topic does help, at least now and again. <laughs> it's not like the text isn't rich enough. Um, oh, and thank God I don't live in the States. Uh, the whole gun culture is nuts in my opinion. Yeah, so uh, I actually do not listen to any other Buffy podcasts because I'm scared of having the show spoiled. And I like living uh, in the constant peril of uh, discovering Buffy information. Uh, I can't speak for everyone else. I think, John, you've listened to Buffering. Yeah, I've, uh, obviously, uh, Buffering is, they're the professional, the professionals of the Buffy podcasting world. They're really, really good, and we'll never be that good uh, ever. Go I do think we, st- we stick to Buffy a lot. I mean, I think we were having kind of comically overreaction to Surf to Die For's, Die For's one-star review. Like, we spend a lot of time talking about Buffy on this podcast. We're not always just <laughs> ourselves. I read two essays about Buffy and morality for this episode. <laughs> Whoa! What book is that? That's it's amazing. Called, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Philosophy, Fear and Trembling in Sunnydale. Um, I pulled it from my library. <laughs> well, that's exciting. Uh, yeah, so uh, we're actually, speaking of the podcast, we, you know, WeedonCon is coming up, which is this, you know, random Buffy event. And we sh- will be on a panel with other Buffy podcasters. So 
even though we don't, don't know who they are and don't listen to their podcasts, we'll be sitting next to them. So that'll be kind of a fun thing. That's uh, coming up in May, uh, 18th through the 20th. I think one of those days, whatever they decide is the panel podcast day. That's really exciting. Um, so and that's it's the, in Los, Los Angeles. Yeah, in Los Angeles. The city of Angel. <laughs> <laughs> right. And of course, while we're there, we'll be visiting uh, locations for, um, that appeared in Angel. Uh, and from Sunnydale locations while we're there. We'll do a Buffy tour. Uh, and we also have from um, Kipa Nagoyi. Sorry about your spelling, pronouncing your name wrong. Um, she, uh, they say, uh, Drusilla wasn't a bad girl until Angelus killed her and turned her into a vampire. I think that's in reference to I said that, oh, they're referring to, referring to Drusilla and Darla with the bad girls comment from Earshot. Um, but good call. Drusilla wasn't always a bad girl. Good call. Somewhat spoilerish, but totally right. No, we know that. Do we know that? Yeah, yeah we know that. He said, yeah. We've done, I've done many terrible things, but what I did to Drusilla was the worst. You know what? I think the deal is that Mike's never seen the, the flashback to the terrible things. Uh, I think you're spoiling things more than this comment. Seriously, now he knows there's going to be a flashback. Uh, let's move on to the summary. The summary. Okay, so this uh, episode summary will be very special in that it is a two-part wrap that I will, at the end, join into one giant wrap. So it's graduation part one and graduation part two, aka the graduate. Well, what a day this is. Lester the professor is coffin filler for faith who understudies as a serial killer. Faith likes to bury the horse with the cart, so now Les is a scholar of knives to the heart. The Scooby gang has to investigate. Angel acts like he hates taking Buffy on dates. They want to be star-crossed coffee mates, but Angel's not a star, yet he dresses like a target. Faith will try to fuck you first and murder you later. Not since Zach Morris took on A.C. Slater. Has a worthy rival been such a comely hater? Anxiety and excitement is a common reaction. Watching Buffy face Slayer versus Slayer action. One of these ladies is leaving in traction. Getting stabbed with your own knife. A major infraction. Blood, blood. Angel needs blood. He'd like one order of Faith-flavored milk thoughts. Drink me. It's the only way. Today, all the pain, all the work, all the excitement is finally over. Angel finally gets to eat Buffy meat, but he drinks too deep, too deep, puts that blonde to sleep. Woody and Wes finally share a kiss, it's a hit and a miss, no blisters or bliss. Yeah, now, this is the finale, Sunnydale turning into a death valley. No time to dally, class of 99, unite, rally, the mayor must be watching, Dragon Ball on Goku, now he's powered up like Goku. What's it gonna take to stop this snake? The principal was eaten like a tiny piece of cake. Thank God there's no parents, thank God there's no rules, thank God we made a bomb and blew up the fucking school. The mayor was a demon, your boyfriend was a vamp, if you hear this part you made it, I'll see see you at summer camp. Take a moment to deal with this. We survived. Uh, Thank you, Mike. That sounds amazing. Um, Let's uh, move on to Great Lines. Great Lines. 
John, you want to uh, begin? I guess I'm starting. Right. Well, I, first of all, I just love that Cordelia uh, says, what's her saga? I'm going to start saying that is instead of like, what's her deal? What's her saga? It's incredible. And then right after that is, I think, my favorite moment from this whole thing, which is when uh, Xander says to Cordelia, you know, the mayor is going to kill us all during graduation. And she says, oh, are you going to go to fifth period? The uh, juxtaposition of terrifying drama and absolute like quotidian boredom is exactly what I feel like uh, our high school experience was like. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think this episode does so many, so many times just sums up what the whole spirit of the show is in yeah. lines like that. Um, <laughs> I got the next couple. Uh, so this is when... Um, Willow and Oz are in her room and they're like trying to research ways to defeat the mayor. And he's like, no luck. He's like, no, it's great. If you want to make ferns invisible or communicate with shrimp, I've got the goods right here. Our lives are different than other people's. <laughs> um, and the super heavy uh, Buffy line, drink me. Like, damn. Uh, and then I also like um, from Willow, Faith told you, was that before or after you, were putting, you put her in a coma? after oh <laughs> uh and i i like this scene with anya and xander so much uh anya says when i think that something might happen to you it feels bad inside like i might vomit and then xander says welcome to the world of romance Anya says, it's horrible no wonder i used to get so much work <laughs> just the weirdness of their relationship is uh, just a just a little joy i feel like it's clearly ending in this episode but like man this is fun um Cordelia says, of course, that's it. We'll attack him with germs. This is in their like plan when they're planning how they're going to uh, take on the mayor. Buffy says, great, we'll corner him and then you can sneeze on him. Cordelia says, no, no, we'll get a box with the Ebola virus and, or it doesn't have to be real. We can just get a box that says Ebola and chase it with the box. Uh, Xander says, I'm starting to lean towards the hummus offensive. <laughs> it's just such a, st- the speculation yeah, is so wild. The yeah. hummus line also is great. I couldn't yeah. think of a crazier plan. We attack the mayor with hummus. Oz really kicks ass this episode. Uh, and uh, you wanted to talk about some uh, Buffy merch you've discovered? Yeah, so I discovered in looking at games, so I'm excited for us to Twitch stream some of the games. Uh, there's a Game Boy Color game that comes out around season four. Uh, there's also a Buffy collectible card game uh, that looks like people have made updates to to reflect other seasons, but there's a Class of 99 series. It looks like it came out this era. Funny to me that this card game appears to have come out before any video games, which just shows you how popular Magic the Gathering is and how much money that must have generated. Like where, you know, Joss Whedonhammer's like, okay, merchandise, <laughs> definitely collectible card game, video game. But of course it does take longer for a video game to get made. So they probably okayed it then. And then it takes two years to make a game or whatever. The Game Boy Color game looks like it took them. It feels like it took them about a month. It is <laughs> maybe the worst game I've ever played. It's really an atrocious video game. Wow, that is a heavy review. It's bad. It's um, really bad. <laughs> so uh, we're going to get into weird noticings of trivia, but I want to do my kill count first. That's the kind of new order I'm, I'm trying things out on. So. The kill count. Um, between the two episodes, I counted nine humans six vampires and two demons which is one tiny spider that we see eaten and one giant snake um you counted the spider <laughs> <laughs> the uh, details of that are it's faith's third human killed buffy and face third time fighting with cuffs 
or at least playing with cuffs, sorry. Um, the second time a principal is eaten, one <laughs> almost fatal poisoning, one very thirsty boy, one coma, Cordelia's very first vampire staking, and two named students dying, Larry and Harmony. Uh, I know. Oh. So super intense uh, kill count this episode. Uh, and now let's uh, jump into the meat of the episode, finally. Uh, Weird Noticings and Trivia. Weird Noticings. John, you want to start us off here? Okay, so I've got some observations about clothes starting off here. First of all, Cordelia says that uh, she's really disappointed that the graduation gowns are maroon and that they should have gone with the teal, but Sunnydale's school colors have always been maroon and gold. So it doesn't make any sense they would have teal, but I love that there's like, <laughs> they connect the thread because like later, I think it's in the second part, she's wearing a teal dress. So we know that she feels like she looks good in teal and she's just going to wear teal no matter what. I also I love that. feel like, is, isn't there um, later on Buffy's, when she's trying to get her mom to leave, right? Is like, and not just because red does nothing for my complexion. Yes. Uh, but she's wearing those red leather pants when she tries to murder Faith. Hmm. And then uh, the uh, ongoing relationship between uh, the Buffy TV show and some uh, avant-garde sweater design firm has produced yet another insane Xander sweater. This sweater is uh, two sweaters that have been split down the middle and then rejoined. Uh, it's a plain tan sweater on one side and a tan sweater with some red decorations on the other side. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, I uh, love the attention to Xander's clothing that you have. Um, I think, because, you know, Willow is more famous for her sweaters. Um, yes. But Xander's are just way more low-key weird. That's, yeah, yeah, I that mean, sweater he's wearing is cool, too. Like, I would wear that sweater. <laughs> like the half-designed half yeah. two-faced sweater. That sweater's for people who have a hard time remembering which hand is their right hand. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah, so uh, I just love that the Percy plot gets a payoff. So the whole thing with Percy, uh, the the jock that Willow is tutoring, uh, we, we all come on, commented how amazing it was that it that was mentioned in a second episode. And now they're tying it up in a third. So of all of the plot threads to get a payoff, we've decided we have to know what happens to Percy before graduation. <laughs> and I love that uh, Percy's like, I'm a scholar. I'm like a scholar. <laughs> And this is yeah. even before he become, finds out he's part Greek god, right? <laughs> yeah, it even has like a Dark Willow reference. I didn't even realize he was there. Did we call out that he was there in the, at the bar? Yeah, that, that's the yeah. start of the, of the Percy thread is that like okay. he, she's supposed to tutor him. He ends up scaring, like she ends up scaring him because he thinks that it's Willow, but it's actually evil Willow. And then he's scared into being a good student. And then like it comes back in a second episode where he's yeah. like, oh, yeah. She's like, oh, I got I to gotta watch out for him because he, he needs whatever. And then now we got a third one where it all pays off. It's so weird. It's such a weird thread to keep going. And it's also apparently an indication in the Buffyverse that like fear-based education works. Right? Mm. I think when uh, Faith murders the uh, professor, I'm pretty sure that's the same apartment that Skylar the, sc- Skylar the demon was stabbed in by Faith like three episodes ago. Like, dude, do not rent that unit. <laughs> this faith will stab you in it yeah i mean that's i can't wait to talk more about that that scene and lester in particular but like it's funny the way that scene works because like as a viewer you're like oh shit 
Faith is definitely going to kill him. Right. Yeah. And then you're also on Lester's side for a moment where he thinks maybe she's trying to fuck me. And like, <laughs> it's just, there's this, it's a weird thing that happens where he's like, not sure why she's there. And then it's like, oh, maybe this is going to be sexual. And then it's the opposite. You're going to get <laughs> murdered. And like, it, the juxtaposition is really funny and, and scary. <laughs> Perhaps it is I who will penetrate you. <laughs> Sorry, little Kill Bill reference is what I said. Oh, is that from Kill oh. Bill? Yeah, so I was really irritated with Xander. No, no big surprise there. Anya is talking to him and she's like, uh, you know, oh, you should like sports because you're a man. And Xander's like, oh yeah, I'm a man. I'm one of those men who loves sports and eats meat and looks at boobs. It's like, fuck you, Xander, for Christ's sake. First of all, you just told her you were looking at her boobs in the last episode. Like you just explicitly told her that. And then secondly, you don't get to like, you know, slut shame your ex-girlfriend left or right and then be like, you know, don't tell me what men are like. Ah, fucking frustrating. <laughs> yeah, but she, she does deserve something though because her knowledge of mankind, given how long she's been alive, is super pathetic. And like, it's on display here. And like, it's maybe because she's never been trapped in this body. So it hasn't been an issue before. And she hasn't had to deal with hormones. And like, that's clouding all her judgment and confusion. But like, I, I actually like, Xander's comments because it's funny to see a demon as she's represented like have no knowledge of what humans want like or what the male human might want uh and like she's her her attempt to be nice is silly I I guess I was less uh hostile towards Xander (laughs) (laughs) yeah I like that scene um (laughs) I think yeah I think John's right that like Xander has not earned that (laughs) yeah someone else can say it just not Xander (laughs) Yeah. Oh, definitely he, not he, earned to say that. He has no high horse to ride upon. <laughs> he's, he's on a pony at best, or little Sebastian. He's leading a donkey. <laughs> Mike, uh, you have a, a faith noticing? Oh, yeah. Just the, the daddy issues uh, are like uh, to the extreme in this uh, these two-part episodes here. Yeah. Like her, I'm, I'm sure this term has already been coined, but her dadspiration, so her desperate <laughs> need for a dad, uh, is such ex- is so extreme and that the mayor is kind of using that dad figure situation to control her it seems like yeah and- although this episode like that's how i kind of interpreted it on this rewatch but this episode kind of posits that it's more real on his end also right that he feels the feelings um, oh definitely yeah when he goes to the yeah. hospital and he's worried about her you know like that's not necessary for him to go to the hospital to check on it i'm sure he doesn't check on any of his like other goons no like <laughs> He doesn't even go to the ash pile that they're all in or whatever. <laughs> How's Mr. Trick doing? <laughs> Still dusty. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And it's also totally weird to see Faith in like um, a sundress or whatever that is. Like That is super. That whole scene with the pink dress is super weird and creepy. I don't know if they meant it to be as creepy as it reads. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they played it out pretty nat- pretty naturally with this, you know, they're, they stuck to the father-daughter kind of kind of idea and they just made it super explicit yeah yeah i don't think it reads as sexual because of how strong they're saying this is not that kind of relationship right as long as there's no cursing yeah (laughs) anya has been to an ascension i really just like the detail of she's been to an ascension before because she was chasing like a shepherd who was banging his sheep Uh, it's just like a one little one-off she says about like i was cursing these sheep or something like that uh 
just she's lived a interesting life uh john i really enjoyed uh the bit where uh wesley and giles are fencing and wesley is like trying to keep his form perfect and like uh, keeps attacking him and Giles is like reading a book and one-handed defending himself and you know parrying very well I thought it was extremely slashy there is no way they're not going to make out after that fencing bout like I don't know what it's called fencing bout fencing match I don't know but it was it was pretty sexy (laughs) I feel like the way we've watched this type of show has changed oh yeah totally no doubt I, I didn't think, I didn't get that read though. I don't know. I don't think like back I mean slash fiction definitely existed back then. Don't make me don't I'm not saying like they invented slash fiction in the year twenty ten yeah. or something. But I don't think writers were necessarily like as aware of it, like and it wasn't as huge, right? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Still. I it did make me go I went to AO three and started looking at uh Wesley Chess slash Giles fic, of which there is some. Yeah, there nowadays there'd be just a huge amount. It would be yeah. junior junior Giles all over the place. And it feels like the 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 director and writer it feels like Joss Whedon is doing everything he can to make Wesley be like such a terrible character. This episode and like the previous episodes. Like he just seems so wimpy. At the end, like Giles is like, I've got to go check on Wesley's whimpering. <laughs> um in this, it, Anya reveals that you've never seen a pure demon. I feel like that's, it's just a major reveal about the Buffy, the mythos in the Buffy verse um, that we hadn't found out before. Like every single monster we've seen so far, with the exception of like the Hellspawn probably, um, have been like watered down demons. Um, so that's like really kind of indicating like this Lovecraftian verse universe that the Buffy, Buffy is a part of, you know, that the demons are huge elder god type creatures that are like probably beyond human comprehension um so we don't really get too much of that in this episode or really in the show in general because like the show isn't super focused on its monsters um but this is like a major little drop to put in is that what scene is that in it's on anya uh it's in the same scene where anya comes into the library and explains what an ascension is and that they've never faced a demon before. And you know, Buffy's like, uh, hello, been fighting them professionally. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. No, I didn't catch the, the scope, but that's, that's super interesting. Uh, so uh, Joyce thinking Buffy is running away is a surprising callback to, like, I didn't think they were going to make that reference again. Uh, you didn't think it? You knew what was, you've seen this before. I'm lying when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> As a first time audience watcher, I thought they were going to drop that plot. I don't know. Did it surprise you, Mike? Uh, no, I guess I guess not. I guess I was surprised Buffy was packing her mom's clothes. That was weird. <laughs> that was like a funny note into that scene. Uh, I actually, the thing that I made a note that I didn't include here that was kind of funny about that scene is where her mom offers that like maybe she should have put her in a different school. <laughs> oh, that's great. I almost yeah. put that as my great line. That's uh, so great. I'm yeah. thinking maybe I should have sent you to a different school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that, that would, that's like that's solving for the whole show yeah <laughs> like it, it like this show could end after three episodes it's like Buffy we're transferring you to a different school yeah that's a that's a dollar wait a day late and a dollar short choice <laughs> graduations net graduations today mom come on oh man that's something though my folks did a lot was like oh we should have done this differently and it's about something that happened like 10 years ago and you're like oh. thanks mom <laughs> a little late man 
Um, so uh, I say Angel is um, shot by Faith outside the theater, the same spot that Angel and Buffy were making out at, um, at after Le Banquet de Amelia while Faith was watching, which is a good visual callback. Uh, but plus, it's just the only town set. <laughs> yeah. So it might not have had any real meaning. We haven't got a lot of town here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was watching this with Elizabeth, and she pointed out um, as we were watching this that, you know, about doping. I think we all know about doping now, especially from the Olympics, right, uh, for improving performance, this blood doping thing. Like, part of the issue here is that they don't have access to, like, Buffy blood you know, or a Slayer blood, so they have to go to Faith. I mean, of course, writers could invent another reason, but Giles should be stockpiling Slayer blood. It's apparently super useful, and also you could use it just straight for blood doping for a Slayer performance enhancement. Well, I mean, it enhances the strength of a vampire. I don't think it... Buffy can't dope herself with her own blood, right? Yeah, that's what blood doping is. That's what, yeah, that's what blood doping is. You oh, bank okay. your own blood, and then you, like, give yourself your own blood back. Oh, oh, I'm dumb. Okay. I feel like um, they do that every opportunity for enhancing her performance overall, right? Like, why why don't they take every opportunity? <laughs> don't they do that with U.S. presidents? That like uh, I I saw this on TV what? recently. <laughs> that apparently the um the like the president mobile the like crazy like armored uh, limousine has like a stock of president blood inside of it <laughs> for emergency transfusions. And wow. from the president, so they're. Yeah. I I that's that was how it was presented on a uh, on a Channel Four panel show that I watched <laughs> with David Mitchell. So David Mitchell wouldn't lie about this. It's too important. Is wait is David Mitchell the comedian from um, Peep Show? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, right. I mean, it's like a Smarty Pants uh, like series that he does. That's what. This yeah, is. he does. He's on several panel shows where he. Okay. Uh, uh, he's the, uh, he's not Webb. Webb's the dumb one, right? Yes, correct. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, okay, I, I, that's a legitimate like way to cheat the system for Buffy. It's do yeah, doping. But like, I don't know. The way Buffy in general treats blood is as this like mystical symbolic thing. They wouldn't, for the most part, get into like the technicalities of how you could actually cheat the system. It's all about like. Blood is life, and like. Oh, uh, your allegories ruin everything, Dennis. Oh. All right, sorry. Fuck. <laughs> anyway, it's just an opportunity for a new vampire series that uh, about vampire sports people. <laughs> oh. Um, I really like uh, the scene where Faith watches the mayor eat the bugs. Where he, she's like, "Oh, wicked gross," but she's like into it. Um. <laughs> I just think that's a cute scene. And like, I just, I know Faith is like evil now, but I still really love her as a character. She's like still super fun, even though she's like doing terrible things. So fight me on that, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in this, this act, it's sort of revealed that Faith killed Lohesh, who's the Vulcanology professor, because he knew about a dinosaur that the mayor is turning into. So apparently and i maybe i'm constrained i'm like putting in conflating a fact from both part one and part two here but lohesh is a volcanologist that knew that they, were, they found a dinosaur like that would been destroyed in a volcano somehow and so he knows that a volcano could be used to destroy the mayor i think ah i'm, I'm getting ahead of myself i think that's why he they killed him right but there's this is other that, i'm sorry is lohesh the professor's name, or was Lohesh the name of a demon? I believe Lohesh oh, is the demon. Oh, shit, shit, I'm sorry. Lohesh is the demon. The professor's name is 
something else. Lester. Yeah. Sorry. Lester's the professor. Lohesh is the demon. Lester, Between Lester and Lohesh, it's pretty obvious who's the demon and who's the professor. I, I a lot of ambiguity for me, apparently, <laughs> in my notes. So I guess there's two, two parts to this question. So one is, or points, right? So one is, so he thinks, the professor thinks he's found a dinosaur. Correct. For the layman, what's the difference between a dinosaur and a demon? Well, I think here's, he's a volcanologist, right? So he's not a paleontologist. So he probably didn't mean to discover a new dinosaur. He was just examining like a lava bed or whatever. A magma bed? I don't know. <laughs> right? And found this like fossilized thing and just posited it as a dinosaur. But I bet you like uh, the timing wouldn't work out. Like this, I, I don't know how old this demon is, but unless it's like 70 million years old, it's probably not the right time for like a giant dinosaur. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's not his area of expertise, right? Well, it's interesting the way this show, so when he kills, when he gets killed by Faith, they, cu- they cut to an image of a volcano, like that's from a Japanese, like kind of illustration, which implies that the demon is in Japan, which implies Godzilla, right? <laughs> yeah. To me, which is like, I guess that's, so he discovered a Godzilla destroyed by a volcano. Is that what they're going with? Uh, that is how Godzilla is defeated in Godzilla 1984, right? They drop Godzilla into a volcano, which doesn't kill him, but traps him. Because <laughs> he can't kill Godzilla. Unless you have the oxygen destroyer. I so would like I- to say that if you have, like, questions about the ontological differences between demons and dinosaurs... I don't think there's a better human on the face of the earth to ask that question to than Dennis St. John. <laughs> well, the, the thing that really crosses the line between dev- really mixes devils and dinosaurs is the series Devil Dinosaur <laughs> by Jack Kirby, <laughs> <laughs> which is an amazing series. I highly recommend. It's about Devil Dinosaur teaming up with Moon Boy. And there's, it's like only a six issue series and it features like a ton of like psychedelic imagery of like them like positing about god there's even an episode where they accidentally recreate they accidentally create the garden of eden where it's about the humans being trapped in a garden of eden by aliens and the devil dinosaur breaks them out to free them but there's this whole like (laughs) it's a retelling of of garden of eden with the devil being the good character freeing humans Uh, it's totally bonkers um that's that's so rad Thank you for introducing that because I know there's some ambiguity here because they're interested in the idea that now either demons can be dinosaurs and dinosaurs can be demons. And so that totally screws over the whole paleontology field. Yeah. Uh, if you this find is similar, home, to the, similar mythos to the Pacific Rim movies, which say that the dinosaurs were the first um, invasion of the aliens from another dimension to try to take over Earth. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, um, I mean, in a world where demons are real and they're like biological creatures, then yeah, what's the difference between a demon and a dinosaur? Like probably evolution as we know it doesn't exist in the Buffyverse, right? I have no idea. (laughs) So I have a prediction about dinosaurs. I don't think this is enough evidence to say that dinosaurs exist, you know, that this is a dinosaur appearance or even like a full complete reference. But it was fascinating to me that Buffy... So, sort of explained what the mayor is going to become is probably a dinosaur. <laughs> it's like, it's, so I was like, that can't be what's going to happen. <laughs> but I was so excited because I had a prediction about it that I like mm-hmm. lost my mind. With- 
so yeah, this next thing here, uh, I love the scene where Xander sticks it out with his friends versus running away with Anya. I feel like virgin Xander would have a hard time doing that, but right. sexually accomplished Xander had no problem shutting her down. But I love that scene. And I love what she's offering, which is just like, let's get out of here. Yeah. Let's run away. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like a Bruce Springsteen song. It's like <laughs> jump in my back seat, strap your, uh, what is it? Strap your wings across my engines or whatever. Totally. It's such a great fantasy. Yeah. And would <laughs> in any other time be an amazing thing when it's not um, abandon your friends to die, right? <laughs> did, we, did, we, did we ever clarify? I didn't ever see Joyce at the graduation. I think she takes, his, uh, she takes Buffy's advice. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't remember that. I'm like, oh. I wonder if all the other parents like yeah. got the heads up also. <laughs> yeah, like we don't see Willow's parents at all in this episode. Um, although they're kind of, Willow's mom is kind of <laughs> reprehensible. Um, yeah, I was wondering about that. That does feel like a recruitment fail. Like they should have gotten the parents also. That seems like just more soldiers. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, good point. But it, it would have been weird. So yeah. yeah. And I also, I like the notion of like, um, that the, the parents are kind of innocents. And it's the kids who are the like hardened warriors and the parents all need to protect the be protected by the kids. Right. Oh yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm still surprised that Joyce wasn't at the graduation. I'm surprised that worked. She should have after the explosions and everything, taken all the kids out to dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would have been a nice mom. She been buying the Jeep, the top down. It's like Buffy, let's go get ice cream. And she hops in. <laughs> yeah. So, Clearly, there's no leadership training at the Watcher Council. <laughs> and I say that because Wesley shows his poor leadership time and again. And this episode is no stranger. Uh, he tries to lead using his role power. So, like, if you have any management training at all, this kind of comes up about using your role power to get people to do things is, like, a super weak way of managing. You can man it's managing through fear. You know, so he brings up the Watcher Council. Like, the Watcher Council wouldn't want you to step away, Buffy. Also, the Watcher Council can't save your boyfriend, so just deal with it. And like, what, you'd walk away from the Watcher Council? They're not doing anything for her. And so I think partially this is a failure of the Watcher Council, but also like Wesley's a poor leader <laughs> to be even a representative of them, and they have no training in place, or they just rule through power, and like they don't even think about like leading with the power, you know, with the strong whys. Why should we work with the Council? What's the benefit? You know, like, why do we have to? I don't know. It just mm. it triggered my adult management yeah. brain. <laughs> yeah, this is clearly <laughs> like your area of expertise you're talking about here. Oh yeah, I'm such an expert. <laughs> That's why I don't manage people anymore. Anyway, um, yeah, I had to do a I had to train a new employee this week at work, and I didn't think about any of that stuff. Uh, so I, the, so we get to the Buffy Faith showdown. They need her blood. Um, it feels like it's a bigger bigger fight emotionally than the Mayor Buffy fight. Um, and there's just like a ton of shit happening in this fight that I want to kind of have people talk about. So there's like Buffy is dressed to kill, like she's dressed like Faith to kill Faith, um, taking literally the line of like, if you kill me, you become me. But Faith throws out in enemies, I think. Um, and it's like incorporating like a ton of the props from the season. So like the recurrent use of handcuffs um, or chains um, and Faith's knife, which is like, I don't know. You could write like a really dumb academic article about like the knife representing Faith's soul, you know? 
I think it's my favorite fight scene of the season for me, just because it packs such a great emotional punch at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Devastating punch. Like yeah. the, you won the fight, you killed your friends, the thing you didn't want to do, but you did. And you still don't get anything out of it. Exactly. It, yeah. It's not a, especially like a sophisticated choreography. Nobody gets thrown into the water, for instance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it lacks some of that punch. Um, uh, they're thrown through glass, which is like a half step below. That's like, salt, it's like, yeah, melted sand. So you're getting close to the water. Um, <laughs> It's a fight between two humans. That's what's also cool. And two slayers. So yeah. Who like also- we know can fight perfectly choreographed, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, is, is this the first time Buffy's like tried to kill a human human? I'm trying yeah. to and, and it's definitely, it's definitely the first time she's made the decision to kill. Yeah. Right. Like she kind of knew she was going to kill Ted. Right. But that wasn't premeditated. Right. So it's yeah. a big, yeah, it's a big heavy step. As a viewer, I just felt like it was exciting because I didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, I, I knew Buffy was going to make it, but I didn't know if she was going to kill Faith or not or how they're going to do it. So I was a little, it felt a little bit of a cop out, like to just, you know, she is kind of not gets knocked off a building, right? Or jumps off a building rather after being stabbed. Because like Faith says, you killed me, but then like she doesn't die, you know? So like, well, she doesn't know she's not going to die. Yeah. She can't predict. She'll go into a coma. Yeah. I, I felt, uh, I didn't feel betrayed as a viewer. I just thought that like the stakes were higher. Like the, it treated as if the stakes were really high, but then like it, they weren't that high as it turned out. Right. Although to me, it's worth it. We could, because I really like hallucinatory coma dream, like yeah, Twin Peaksy, Twin Peaksy dream, dreamscape stuff, you know? So to me, it's worth it to like not kill her to have like, that weirdness happened, which I guess they could have done anyway, even if she was dead, right? This is, yeah, and then it leads up to uh, uh, Angel drinking Buffy, so that's also really cool, like symbolic and important. Um, And the only, actually, Angel's got like the weird thing with blood. I mean, I know he's a vampire, okay? I know that. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when when they needed his blood to get Drusilla well again? yeah it's just like yeah just funny how that keeps coming up that keeps coming up and i show my fans uh you have a note here travis about um yeah it's so it's really fun um when you watch it and uh when they're preparing i think to fight the mayor you're like why are they packing up all the books in the library like it's not really clear but um it looks like they pack up all the school books too which is what what i wouldn't have done i would have just packed up the, the special demon books but it's totally because they know they're going to blow up the library. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you don't really understand why for a little while. You got to save that Emily Dickinson. <laughs> There's multiple copies of that. <laughs> these are original 12th century scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a, it's like a fun, yeah, it's, it's really kind of cathartic. You're like, Oh, things are really, things are changing. And it's like, Oh, um, <laughs> Before the drinking happens, I just to say that Willow and Angel share another scene, and I've on this viewing, I'm definitely noticing every Willow Willow Angel shared scene is weird and awkward. Like they're always doing something weird together. Um, but also, I mean, they're she- kind of opposites in the buff the way, like in the in a continuum of Buffy characters, like how seriously they take themselves, right? Because like Willow is so self deprecating and like right. never wants like, and then and everything that Angel says is like a pronouncement. 
true, true. Second best actor. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also love that when she comes back from like it talks to Oz about what happened, he's like, "Oh yeah, you too, right?" Like, I feel like there's an implication there that Oz, like that Angel and Oz maybe made out. <laughs> I think they totally made out. What? Very flashy. <laughs> I mean, not really. Just it, you can imagine it if you want to. <laughs> I feel like John, you were imagining the most second <laughs> of the show. I mean, I feel like I can tell like... that you're in a long distance relationship just from what's happening. <laughs> yeah. It's like everything in you is turned up to eleven. You're like, oh, this someone like hands you a head of lettuce. You're like, ooh, thank you. <laughs> lettuce is the okay. language of love. Let us be friends or more than friends. <laughs> um, John, you got the next bunch here. Yeah. Um, so a couple things about this situation. First of all, when uh, Buffy goes in to feed herself to uh, Angel, like uh, it's clear that she was supposed to go get Faith and that she didn't do that. And Willow and Oz are like, yeah, that seems fine. No reason to like, you know, keep an eye on this situation or be worried. Enjoy. <laughs> well, they think, they think that she's going to say goodbye to him, right? Yeah, but like they should, you know, maybe use their critical thinking, use their critical thinking, maybe watch, you know, because she's totally obviously going to feed herself to her boyfriend. Um, but more to the point, she feeds herself to Angel. She like hits him. He gets gnarly and then like eats her. And then we cut to commercial and when we cut back. They're at the hospital and no, but... Angel for once in his life is wearing a shirt. I don't want to means he drank her blood, then put on all of his clothes. <laughs> then walked to the hospital with Carrying her in his her. arms. Yeah. Sorry, I don't, I, the, that's an excellent point. I just don't want to skip over the crazy blood drinking. Oh, yeah. Which is like, like, first of all, that he, like, she hits him multiple times for him to get hard. Yes. <laughs> to get his forehead bumpies on. Um, just the sheer explicitness of that draining scene, complete with her, like, orgasm of, like, breaking the table and bending the chalice. Like, yeah. I just every time I see it, I'm like, this is such an insane, this is the most insane sex scene I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I, I do also have a question about the meaning of the word drain because it's it obviously to means to have sex. To drain the, the, the blood of a slayer. Drain in my mind means all gone. Uh, so I feel like Buffy should be dead. That's all. Yeah. Well, Angel told us that she's not. She's fine. <laughs> That's the awesome, least comforting scene when they're kind of like kicking Angel out. It's getting to be light soon or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. He's like, yeah, that's some... I mean, I feel like that's also so similar to them kicking Evil Angel out um, of the hospital in yeah. uh, Killed by Death, right? It's also um, one big, long tracking shot of... Yeah. Like, that going from... Angel and Buffy to the mayor and Faith and stuff. So fa fancy camera work there, Joss. And a Popeye reference, right? Yeah, That's lovely Popeye. <laughs> <laughs> so someone's been eating their spinach. Um, I mean, the mayor probably saw Popeye like as a short in the theater right next to like between the newsreels and the feature. <laughs> He probably, yeah, dude. <laughs> Those Popeye cartoons, by the way, are amazing. The Fleischer Brothers, totally recommend them. If you've well, it's, never it's also checked just, them out. It's also just a family-friendly reference. It's just like <laughs> the whole 
mayor world is just like, oh, you got punched, got punched in the face. Oh, like Popeye. <laughs> Isn't Popeye yeah. a lot more sinister than we're like, we're thought, you know, we're led to believe? Sinister. Like with, with, with him owing money to that hamburger man. <laughs> no, the hamburger man owes him money. It owes him money? I thought they owe money to somebody else. There's like somebody else who owns hamburger money. Well, I mean, there's a lot of fortunes that go back and forth. In yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I want, Popeye keeps making fortunes and losing his money either to his hilarious gambling problems or like during the depression, he opens up a one-way bank. So he just is giving people all of his money to help with the depression. Um, I like that your idea of the dark side of Popeye, the dark side <laughs> is that someone owes somebody hamburger money. Uh, Jay Wellington Wimpy is the hamburger man, by the way. <laughs> um, I love dark Popeye. It's sh- <laughs> the guy that owes people money <laughs> for hamburgers. I could do a whole podcast about Popeye because I love Thimble Theater and the Fleischer Brothers. Um, but that's a whole different subject. Okay, yeah, then we better move on quickly. Uh, I love the shared Slayer dream craziness. Um, Faith's apartment is their Black Lodge. Uh, <laughs> I just think, you know, like so many things do dream stuff poorly. Um, and I think Buffy does a decent job out of it. I mean, not to Twin Peaks level, but I'm always, I'm always happy when I see their their dreamscape stuff the cool stuff of like the knife flashing and like this weird cat um and the weird ominous miss moffat counting down from 730 whatever the fuck that means nothing mike what i guess i gotta rewatch that scene i totally (laughs) no it's totally like she's talking in some weird code about something i don't know what oh really i must have missed this i'll tell you you don't know about this travis yeah, we'll talk about I'm it. Surprised you don't. Uh, but yeah, it's weird, like code shit. Um, I thought this was a good dream. I think, like, as far as dream sequences, I like yeah. I, not only did I know it was a dream sequence because they're friends, which is impossible. Uh, yeah, the cat conversation was. I was all like, it was all interesting and engaging. I feel like other dreams like don't have the emotional weight, and this felt like it had all emotional weight because like their relationship is over, the friendship's gonna be completely severed, and it was just like. Is super interesting. I feel like other dreams on the show have been less interesting. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of the other dreams have just been about getting the information across that it's like her prophetic dream. And this one's about resolving their relationship, resolving a season's worth of like crazy relationship, right? Yeah, because like the dreams that are about longing, like Buffy and Angel, just like, oh, I wish I could be with him. You know, like... Oh, I was thinking more of the fun dreams, like... Um, where it's like a prophetic dream, but it's like Willow with a monkey and like. Oh, right. From the show opening. Yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. Totally. That's, is that season one? Uh, I think it's season two is the Willow and the monkey. That's right before she gets, um, she turns angel evil. Got it. Do you really think you're ready? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so I say, um, what would win? 100 years of meticulous planning or one afternoon of planning? Just apparently Who's got the fertilizer bomb? That's the deciding factor. Mike, you go to the next one. Oh, sure. Yeah, so there's this wild speculation scene that I quoted from in The Great Lions, right? Where they're like, the, the Scooby gang's trying to figure out how they're going to take on the mayor. And like, I, Cordelia's suggestion made the most sense to me about biological warfare. That's why I kind of wanted to call it out <laughs> earlier. Like, we should use Ebola somehow. Because, like, the mayor has shown time and again how he hates germs. So clearly there's a relationship between germs. Yes, 
kill it with fire. But like, there's probably a germ solution also that hasn't been considered. And I, I assume it's just not something, ugh, it's just something the show will pick up later and kill vampires with germs somehow. Uh, anyway, it just felt like an easy win. Like War of the Worlds. Yeah, sure. I feel like it, it's just a little beyond the capabilities of a high school student, right? To like <laughs> engage in germ warfare. Fertilizer bomb? I mean, I, 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 I think there's all kinds. I mean, Xander has this military training. Who knows? Hey, Xander, go to the CDC. They've got copies of, you know, Ebola virus. Why don't you go grab that? And then we're going to distribute it. We're going to put it in a steak. You know, we're going to poison it in the steak somehow. I mean, there's some dumb way to like write Ebola into this. Of course, it's not as dramatic as an explosion. And like thematically, I think exploding the school works the best. Like you need to have the school blow up. Cause like, that's how, that's how high school has to end. Yeah. But, like the germ thing. Oh God. Can you imagine like a giant lizard demon, like bleeding out of its eyes? <laughs> <laughs> it's got Ebola. That'd be horrifying. There's a, uh, oh man, what is it? In the new season of MST3K, they have one Kaiju movie that that's basically how it dies. Is it like they infect it with something and it, there is just a shot of it bleeding out and it's clearly like bleeding from its anus. It doesn't show that. But it's just like, oh, this isn't fun. This isn't fun at all. <laughs> Anguirus? No, wait. No, ah, I forget the name of the movie. I'll look it up. It's not important. <laughs> but it is a super uncheerful way to kill a giant monster. <laughs> uh, I love seeing Jonathan and Larry team up. Um, there's something like, it's emotionally triggering to see these guys, right? And to see, you know that, you know that in earlier days larry bullied the crap out of jonathan right even though they never showed that you just know that that's stuff that would have happened totally they're so beyond that now both of them um i think i missed this uh who was valedictorian i don't think that they bothered to i don't think this is the type of show that cares yeah shouldn't it be willow i mean it should be willow Willow. especially because everybody smarter than her died yeah Yeah. Uh, was she wearing um maybe a stripe or something we did, I didn't see that. Okay. No one said anything. I mean, this is like a show that has cared about Willow's academic performance for the past three years. And then all of a sudden it's like. Yeah. Well, we, we know she already got into all these amazing colleges. Um, yeah. Yeah. She already got into the schools. Who cares? She got accepted to Harvard, right? Like, yeah. You know. Yeah. But she's going to go to UCSD. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> uh, uh john you got the next one uh yeah so i just really want to see the scene where xander has to convince the entire senior class to follow his orders and he's like listen guys there's gonna be a monster it's gonna murder us all and the key to survival and killing the monster is everyone has to listen to xander harris i just i just want to i want like percy to be like whatever harris <laughs> I, you know, I think this is a scene that it could never have happened if we hadn't had prom right before it. True. And that class protector scene, mm-hmm. like, really lets us know where the student body is at, right? Very true. But yeah, I would have loved to have seen that scene. Um, but we know, uh, what's, the, what's the other jock? Not Percy, but the guy from, the guy from Earshot who knows. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he said hi to me. <laughs> People know about Xander now. <laughs> um so yeah the mayor pops up he's a 60 foot snake demon um kind of close to a kaiju uh probably as close as the show is gonna get to a kaiju well, i felt like they started filming a kaiju movie 
right? With the crane shots and the reaction of people running. And yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't realize this was a kaiju movie. Yeah, they're definitely, it's to a different scale now than they've done before. Um, I mean, some of those demon shots look pretty cool. Oh, it's rough as hell, dude. The special effects in the last 10 minutes are rough. It's better than the demon, um, the first snake demon we see. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the, the good shot, Conus. Conus, yeah. I mean, the, there are some shots that are good, like the tracking shots, the crane shots. Most of that's pretty good, but everything else is kind of rough. Yeah, I'd say that the practical effects shots they do, like the mayor busting through the wall, like that looks amazing. Cause that's like, whoa, you're smashing through a wall. Yeah. Uh, and blowing up the clock tower, uh, <laughs> which was only put there for Jonathan anyway. <laughs> Save the clock tower. <laughs> no, it was really smart to have an eclipse come on when you're uh, being the CG monster. Very smart. This yeah. All- <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I totally, I, this show does a good job of knowing to hide things in shadows. I mean, that's, I brought that up last week with Smallville does not do that. It's like everything's shot in the broad light of day. <laughs> but it's funny. It's like, it, that turns out to be a good excuse to let the vampires come out, right? Like they're coming out through the sewers, whatever the plan is. And like, yeah. it's still, I don't know. It's still funny that that's, <laughs> it feels more like convenient, but they make it seem like a strategy. It's like, yeah. this is how the ritual goes. What happens when the ascension is over or it just never ends? Is it never ending darkness until they destroy the monster? Good question. Maybe the vampires know exactly like it's a 10 minute eclipse. We got to go back to the van. <laughs> yeah, I guess there was no uh, drama around that because that's not how they were going to deal with it. But it felt like yeah. they could have also made the drama around the eclipse timeline. But It does bother me that they know vampires are going to come, that the mayor has vampires working for him and Angel doesn't bring a stake. He's like just hand fighting all the vampires. Like... Like, dude, just fucking stake them. It's so much faster. <laughs> maybe he learns his lesson. Um, maybe from then on, he would carry a stake. Maybe he would always have like a stake or two just strapped, just strapped to him somewhere. Yeah. So he wouldn't have to worry about dropping it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Trav, you got the next, the next one? Oh. oh, yeah. Just Wesley is such a wimp at the end. I mean, this character just makes me so upset with the way they treat this character. <laughs> Um, I don't know why they would treat him any different. I don't know what you're talking about, Trav. That's the character, as far as I know. Oh, I mean, I still feel like Wesley was supposed to be playing like a 25-year-old. I feel like Wesley is like someone who just graduated from like um, Watcher, Watcher, Watcher College. Yeah, Watcher Academy. Like, and like he spent like two years like um, after he graduated like cleaning toilets at that Watcher, <laughs> at Watcher Cottages Industries. <laughs> then like, you know... I don't know. It's just, it's like, so I do, I do kind of buy the idea now that um, being a, being an actual watcher with the Slayer is supposed to just be like this really short term job. You're like, all right, you kill some demons, the Slayer dies. It's like a three months, three month gig. Uh, <laughs> you go back to like your research or something and somebody else, a new watcher takes over for the new Slayer and like just Buffy fucked that shit up so bad. <laughs> it makes them like yeah. no it, it totally makes sense right the slayer's supposed to die like they have all these things set in place to have her killed like the turning 18 you know that ritual yeah. like right all set up for against her because exactly they just want to control that character like control the outcome 
just in the same way that high school wants to control mind control you and waste your time when you're the most potentially revolutionary and dangerous. Yeah, I get it. That, I mean, that's what I believe, but I don't know where the show is going, but that's, it does feel like that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, Harmony, Harmony, and we see, uh, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about all the characters, like named characters who get killed, but you know, Harmony is bitten, you know, that's, yeah. but, but Cordelia doesn't even like bring that up, like at the end, you know. I don't know if, does Cordelia see it? She might not know. Mm. I mean, up until this, up until this season, Harmony and Cordelia were friends, right? And then, right. you know, there were episodes where they weren't friends. But I don't know. I still think like she should like have looked for Harmony. You know, you you can't have a you know a three hour season finale where you resolve like your all the emotional problems of the show. But it's like, dang, that was like your best friend up until this year. <laughs> That's true. Like straight up murdered in a really bad way. But so many people got murdered. <laughs> Larry got his like neck snapped. Yeah, I was like, did Larry really die? I couldn't remember. Yeah, I had the same reaction because the the wiki has it that Larry dies here. But uh, I, I think the sound effect is supposed to indicate he died. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm not convinced. I think there's there's a whole life that Larry leads after this. And right before that, there was like this like alternate reality of like the white hats with the van. Yeah, and we had yeah, that nice weird. little reality, and then it shattered. Um. Jonathan gets to like tackle a vampire. I don't know if he stakes it or not. I don't remember. How does Jonathan live through this? <laughs> He's got the moral strength. Uh. It's funny. I was also in disbelief about those characters dying. Like seeing Harmony get bitten. I know that's your next thing here, Travis. I mean, to take it, but like, I, I was shocked. I didn't expect her to be killed. It seemed like that was going to be a regular character in the college years. I mean, yeah. I think some people have to die because the, the whole statement at the end about like, you know, hey, we survived high school. Like we need, we need it to be a feat to have survived in order yeah, for that to have the emotional resonance that it does. Because I feel like the way people have talked about that character and now everybody knows her name. Like, for instance, my cat is named Harmony and people are always like, oh, like Buffy. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So if she, she's got to still be in the show after this, given that people care about her, because if this is it and she just gets bitten in the end, so I, I don't know. I don't believe she's dead, but I don't. I, but the show tells me she's dead. So, no. I don't know. I would have liked to have seen Amy the Rat there, like fighting some vampire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do like that Amy the Rat gets a mention in this episode. She does. She gets called out. Yep. Yeah, yeah she gets to watch Oz and Willow have <laughs> sex, right? <laughs> oh, I guess she does. I never thought about that. Yeah. It's gross. She's seen a lot of things. Wow. I think it would have been cooler if Oz, like, if the ascension and the eclipse, like, made Oz into a werewolf. Like, that would have been a cool, like, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, like, oh like, wow, the, like the ascension just threw all of nature into flux. Oh and yeah, Oz, Oz morphs, morphs into a werewolf. Um, Amy, Amy, like, maybe, and maybe Amy gets into a big giant rat. A werewolf. Yeah, werewolf. Like, I, I would love, like, if everything just got turned upside down. <laughs> That's a great note about the full moon. That's a big oversight. Yeah, they should go like Oz down. Some supernatural eclipse, you know, stuff happening, and yeah, um, I, I like uh, the like last shot of Angel and Buffy to like walk away. That they do, they don't, they didn't need to do this, but they do like a full establishing shot where you see that they're like one truck length away from each other, which like just I don't know, it just cuts the drama away for them to like be looking long distance at each other as he turns and walks into the fog, but he's like, I don't know, 10 yards away, 15 yards away. 
Um, I know. I have, I have beef about how they walk away from each other. It just, yeah, I've got lots of beef with that. I just don't think that's how it should have ended. Should have ended. Just doesn't make any sense. But. Well, I doubt that relationship is over the way they've set it up. I mean, I get that Angel walks off in the sunset to start his own show, but like, he definitely, their relationship is still ambiguous forever now. I mean, that's how it feels like it's going to be. Uh, why don't we move on to uh, questions for the group? Questions for the group. I feel like we kind of talked about Lester already, but oh, yeah. what makes him worth, what makes it worth killing Lester? So Lester's the volcanologist. Why does Faith need to kill him? Uh, well, as Wesley says, <laughs> the like in what, what, I don't know what his exact quote is. Never mind. It only makes sense if uh, if Lester like knew Wesley or Giles. But Lester has no idea about the real stuff going on in Sunnydale. Yeah, or, like his brother like worked at the mag- magic shop. Yeah, it's interesting. Also, like he published an academic article or something, and it oh. made the local news. <laughs> It'll happen still. That happens. It happens. <laughs> I guess you're right. It just seems like he, he has a tiny bit of information that is a little bit useful. And it's like the way they're setting it up is like they are dotting the I's, crossing the T's before the ascension, getting rid of everybody that could do anything. Well, then get rid of the Scooby gang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although it does, like, I have a really great um, idea for uh, fan fiction, which is that there's, you know, 10 or 20 people who each individually know about the Hellmouth, but they only know about one, one part of the Hellmouth in Sunnydale, but they don't know each other. They don't know the Scooby gang. And it's just like, you know, someone's walking around with the knowledge that every hundred years there's this horrible tragedy. And then someone's like, man, these seismic readings are, things are going wrong. You know, what's going on? And someone's like, I've been measuring the tide charts and they're all out of whack. And, you know, it's like, and it's like there's a whole like episode where Faith Heath hunts down ten or twenty people who know like one one minute of plot. That's what this feels like. And we just yeah. That sounds it's like just, a good, like Rick and Morty e kind of premise of like yeah. an excuse for like ten murders to take place. Yeah, it's like, like Faith murders somebody from like every scientific discipline. It's like a meteorologist <laughs> stab. Yeah. Oh, a paleontologist stab. A biologist stab, and just on and on and on it's like i study quantum physics okay. <laughs> or, or like practical ones where it's like oh i import all the fertilizer into the town stab this fertilizer could make a bomb to kill my boss or uh, that would have been smart um, but, yeah. string theory physicist gets murdered <laughs> i like it because, yeah faith could also like you know each one of course she uses her sexuality in some way too whether it's a male or a female you know to like but i teach comparative way. lit <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> totally. But it's like, yeah, but I'm trying to think of it. Like, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. It'd be like this weird serial killer episode with Faith. It, it, it is a serial killer episode with Faith already, though, right? Uh, yeah, anyways, yeah. Yeah, yeah her, her is three people a serial? Yeah. What's yes, the, that is a sequence. Okay. okay. Uh, but I guess it's not always the same style, but she does like killing with knives. Yeah, uh, she's a, yeah she's she a, likes to kill in that same apartment, I know. <laughs> She only, yeah, she's a serial killer. Only kills people that live in that apartment. <laughs> uh, that'd be hilarious if that got called back. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there's, I would like to say, and I hope everyone agrees, I don't think there's a good enough reason to kill this dude. It feels really weak. It's like the guy who got killed with the sarcophagus. 
season two, right? Remember, it's the guy, like the mayor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's like some, some uh, a scientist who brings back a sarcophagus, right? Oh, right. It was yeah. like a statue of something. Yeah. Like, you he's like, oh, what's up with this uh, statue here? He hey, I'm going to call Giles. <laughs> he had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Yeah, that's because it's just faith likes killing people. There's no reason for a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a plot MacGuffin to get the kids the info they need. Yeah. Oh, there we go. That's what it is. It's just a MacGuffin. <laughs> so next group question here is about what Anya kind of set up to Xander, which is let's get a car and just drive, which is a pretty amazing escapist fantasy. What is your escapist fantasy? Someone approaches you. Let's get out of here that's a pretty good one car plane that'd be great <laughs> um, i feel like that resonated with me i felt like xander was like oh maybe <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, i've done some pretty long long distance like solo car trips around and it's definitely super escapist i did them i did them when i was like 19 it was you know you just drive around like far away just covering miles yeah. And that is uh, Xander's plan after graduation, right? Is yeah. to on the road it. Oh, I guess he set that up. Yeah, with his Jack Kerouac book. Uh, yeah. He's read a his, book. His poor his grades. Book. His Jack Kerouac book and his terrible home life. <laughs> I mean, I Sleeping guess. outside on Christmas. <laughs> I guess other fantasies like of escapism, you know, like, oh, like retreating to you know, world of virtual reality, uh, you know, like, um, you know, living on a deserted island, you know, uh, like changing your name, you know, like marrying someone spontaneously. I mean, there's so many different ways to like, just, you know, hit the hard reset and just like running away being offered is kind of rad. Um, so I have, uh, another yeah, I group I don't question. have an answer to that sorry equally, equally ridiculous uh you have 12 hours before demons invade your neighborhood how do you recruit your army <laughs> angie's list <laughs> <laughs> i need reasonably reasonably priced demon hunters rogue <laughs> demon hunters aren't there aren't there um like good aren't there movies about this like attack the block which yeah. is in the recommendations i think about the watch watch is like an alien invasion it's from 2009 it's actually pretty funny or like uh it's kind of like uh kind of like a red dawn kind of a situation yeah <laughs> yeah um i just watched uh, speaking of that kind of shit i just watched uh toy soldiers for the first time where uh uh um sean astin and will wheaton fight off colombian drug lords at their prep school fucking great <laughs> wow I yeah, never, i've never awesome. seen that yeah, no, you haven't, and it's uh, it's uh, your your education is incomplete until you do. I only watched it yesterday for the first huh. time. It's great. Wait, so that's not the movie about toys that become alive? No, that's, that's small, small soldiers. soldiers. Okay, oh, that's Joe Dante, story. Dennis. I you know, know your shit. Come on. <laughs> that's what confused me. <laughs> <laughs> small stakes soldiers, toy stakes. soldiers, totally different. <laughs> toy soldiers so good, and the stakes are so good. Like it just. The suspense is there. It's yeah. awesome. I'm glad it holds up. I haven't seen it since high school. Good movie. Obviously, you have to recruit people. Recruit at the local high school. 
Yeah, they're the sol- they're the real soldiers. Right? I feel like kids are the most willing to flip the script on reality and say like, yeah, yeah let's do this. So I think recruiting kids would be the way to go for a demon invasion. I mean, that's it's probably like, a reason why militaries recruit people at that age. There's like this whole child soldier thing that we're just <laughs> yeah, we're just like about to drop down. You heard it here, folks. Mike endorses child soldiers. No, I don't endorse. I just think it's the best time to recruit, even if that's you don't not child soldiers. Out. That's soldiers. That's the soldiers <laughs> that we have. They're 18 years old. That's the age of the soldiers that we have fight our wars. No, no, we're talking about like in in Africa and stuff. Oh, I know, but I'm saying like what happens in Buffy would not be child soldiers. It's, it would be regular soldiers. No, like well, like yeah, those. So I mean, from the senior classes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was not thinking. Uh, obviously, that'd be the yeah. Just drive around to regular high schools, trying to get it with their class in session, and get, try to get on the mic, I guess, and explain to students that the world's been inverted. I mean, I th- again, I think this is basically what recruiters do. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, military. <laughs> like they did driving around in like in um in Oz's scary van with like big loudspeakers, and they're like, "The world is inverted. What you know is a lie." <laughs> you know. All right, Mike, you got the next one. Oh, sure. So we've got, it finally happens. Wesley and Cordelia make out. What happened? I, I thought this was like- excellent. <laughs> what happened? I, to me, this is really a, a excellent because um, I think it's a nice commentary on what a crush is. Uh, that a crush is something for both of them that, that, that um, was really more about themselves and it was about like an actual relationship and there really wasn't they realized pretty quickly there's not much there and once they had that like once they had that like switch flipped or that that itch scratched that there wasn't anything else to do and they were just done i thought it was great i i love it i think it's very satisfying the way that ends it's pretty awkward yeah it's super awkward i guess i was surprised that that was that was where it was headed it didn't feel like that's where it was headed. It felt like it was going to become a more like permanent relationship. But, uh, you know, I know that Wesley has to leave. Uh, he's even said, like, I'm going back to England. Like, we know that this is kind of the end of his, this, this part of his, uh, the, the show with him. Uh, you know, that, you know, people are going to LA, like they're going to go to college, like this kind of thing is moving on. So like, I get that there's this pressure on the show part. But yeah, yeah, it's like satisfyingly awkward. I agree, but like it's still like a. I guess it needs to happen, but I, I anticipated them starting something and then lo- going long distance or whatever. Like that felt like what was going to happen versus just you kissed him and that wasn't that was the satisfaction for her because I or feel the, like well I, I, yeah it's supposed to be like why is wesley such a bad kisser i guess or like <laughs> he's such a bad kisser it kills the potential relationship yeah. Man, but he loses interest too like it's not it's not like just cordelia he, doesn't. he tries to kiss her again yeah but then like i don't know it seems like they're both done it's that a, seems mutual my take is that it's like well it's it's a nicely written scene that does not make any sense in the context of buffy the vampire slayer universe because nothing else is like accurately portrayed with relationships. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh yeah, this is probably how real things work, but it doesn't make sense here. I just, I like Wesley's so fumbling. It makes sense to me. Like if you can't like, even though you're a trained vampire killer, if you like get knocked out right at the beginning of a big fight, like you're also probably not going to be good with lip locking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's unrelated. <laughs> 
I hope I'm it is because that would make me a terrible kisser if I like because I would definitely be the first guy knocked out in a vampire fight. It just means that Wesley's bad at everything. Yeah, <laughs> he's bad at everything. Yeah, except James. Except uh, what is it? Pierce Brosnan um, impersonation. Because you can hire him for your Pierce Brosnan parties. Yeah. I think the only thing that makes me more frustrated about life is the fact that Pierce Brosnan and Alexis Denisov have never appeared in a movie together. Would be confusing. It would feel so right. Bad. Yeah, you wouldn't know who the lead character was. You'd get two lead characters. You'd be like, just be. Oh, oh, they should be playing brothers. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all main character. Like even in the off scenes, it's like oh, the main characters everywhere. Well, a then, comedy yeah, of errors starring Alexis Denisov and Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, just do Bond twins. They didn't do a Bond twins. Bond movie twins. <laughs> We're bonded at birth. <laughs> Uh, Let me uh, just sneak and not stir it at birth. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbest line I can imagine. Wait, wait, would Bond twins be like where one of them got pregnant? <laughs> James, James Bonds. <laughs> I think you should make dumb chemistry jokes. You should be like, we're covalent bonds. <laughs> Oh my gosh, nobody's like if somebody just watches this episode of the podcast, they're not going to uh get any of this joke. Um John, you got the next question. Uh oh yeah, because we spent a lot of time on our, our prom stories, I was wondering if we had any graduation stories. I feel like we don't. I feel like graduation was totally uneventful. Um anybody I think have one any graduation thing stories? That happened in graduation. I a story I tell, I guess, is like every now and then for some reason somebody's like, Oh, do you like mead? Or have you drank mead? And I'm always like, well, <laughs> one time I tried to help my friend John make some mead. And then in graduation, we, they opened it and we all got sick from it. That's not true. Who got sick? Folks Everybody got stomach aches. Yeah, I didn't know a little bit. It was fine. Also, I, story, I also fuck you, John, because stories <laughs> don't have to be like true. They just have to be stories. Sorry. This is awesome. I mean, that meat I made was gross. I don't know if it made anybody sick, though. It did gave it? me it a stomachache. Yeah, okay. It also made another person sick. <laughs> this is okay. This is like this is the nature of stories, also, is they, it doesn't have to be true. It just has to be entertaining. Very uh, true. So I've enlarged this story over the 20 years since it happened or whatever. Uh, I'm a much better brewer now. That's how you tell stories. <laughs> I have, I have Sorry. A fun, I have a fun medical school graduation. <clears throat> story um when my friend from grade school uh there's this whole thing where you can when you get hooded when you graduate um only someone who can who has a phd or md or whatever or do can hood you so my friend from med from grade school he graduated med school first and so he hooded me so it was very sweet but for some reason that remains inexplicable to me now i somehow do the the Richard Nixon, like, like I'm being impeached, like, like peace sign, like at the end, and it was very, it was bizarre. I don't know what overcame me, but wait, you did the Nixon double peace signs yeah, yeah. Uh, at your yes after he hooded me, which was great. Oh, um, that's odd. Yeah, it was, it was super random. The crowd loved it. Um, <laughs> to Richard Nixon fans, I guess it was, it was hilarious. On the theme of graduation, I do want to say that, like, with someone whose parents are divorced, graduation are always awkward mechanical procedures where both your parents who don't talk to each other are in the same room and there's an awkward dinner 
there's it's just a completely awkward experience so like i've i probably i don't remember a lot of the details of my high school graduation my college graduation is more recent so i remember that a little better but it's mostly like the awkward gathering of all the people that don't normally talk to celebrate me but also not make eye contact with each other it's awesome oh yeah no that that is real that is real absolutely and the fact that Buffy gets away without her having any family present at graduation, like they can just dispense with that part of the casting. Yeah, well, her dad doesn't come into town. I didn't even think about that. That's true. Uh, I'll oh, say we I should have had a demon at our graduation so that my parents wouldn't have been <laughs> in the same room. My graduation from uh, the Center for Cartoon Studies was nice. Um, I was the class speaker, um, which was a proud moment for me because I was such a bad student until I went to comic book school. For all those. (laughs) (laughs) That's very awesome vindication. What Uh, did you uh, talk about in your speech? um, I talked about how the goal now is to make comics. I don't remember the full speech, but um, I played it for you guys one time. I think I remember it, yeah. It's on YouTube. (laughs) If you want to search Dennis St. John graduation speech, you can find it. Uh, Mike, you have the next question? Okay, this is, you guys knew this was coming. So if the mayor is invincible, why would he turn in, why would you turn into a giant monster that isn't? I think I have the answer to this. Um, in the Buffy, the Vampire Slayer monster book, under the section of the mayor, when it, it, it doesn't go into all these details, but it says, upon his ascension, the mayor was transformed into a 60-foot serpentine demon. It ate Principal Snyder, among others. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, he lost the invulnerability he had previously achieved for 100 days. So I think oh. that's indicating that the invulnerability was only something he could attain for a limited amount of time. And it was part of the Ascension process. It wasn't something he could just do and sustain. It was part of the process that then led to him being able to eat the demon, the demon bugs that rearranged his organs. Um, so it wasn't like a, a permanent um, thing. Well, then, if he's invincible, he really wasted the invincibility period. I got stabbed by a fencing sword. (laughs) Well, no. The point is, like, um, I think they also make this later on. It's like, it's one thing to be, um, to really have an effect on this level or this this plane of existence. You have to be vulnerable. Like, you can be invulnerable, but you're not going to be able to uh, affect change, pick things up. There's this whole concept of if you exist on this earth, you have to be vulnerable to some of the laws on this earth so it's mayor wilkins couldn't couldn't really do anything when he was invincible well he was still the mayor he could have just kept being mayor but he couldn't yeah, no, no, i he don't think he could he could have been invincible for more than those hundred days it seems like it's a set time that well, yeah is not really explained. side note people who are delegators not necessarily good at the task like, oh, if he used his invulnerability to be like, I should use this to kill the Slayer because, like, she can't do anything to me. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the best time to take care of the Scooby gang or whatever. But if it's like Travis is saying where it's like you can't, I don't know what the rules are. I don't recall those rules of, like, vulnerability on this planet. They, they, are, they may just be, they just may exist in the universe and I'm drawing them in here to try to to explain maybe what they're thinking i think there's two either either they're just saying that this was temporary then fine whatever but there's also this whole thing about like why not just rule the world as an invincible person well it's like you really to really like be able to kill and have power and all this other stuff you, you know you have to exist on this plane of existence that means you have to be vulnerable 
It's just a yeah. greater, greater I, concept. I think there's something also about <clears> like, um, there's only a certain level of power the human body can sustain, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's like a big thing kind of later on, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Definitely. So it's like, uh, <laughs> in order to like get more power, he needs to transform into something yeah. much different than human. Uh, uh, so I ask, um, what happens to the class of 2000 now? <laughs> Not that there's no school, yeah. what happens to everyone else who was going to that school, man? That mortality rate's going to go right back up. Did anyone else <laughs> think they don't even go to school? There's no school to go to. No, it's totally like what happens when there's those oh, disasters, right? Like everyone's going to go to school in trailers now. Yeah. Build a school. Did anyone least else think of their problems. Yeah. Did anyone else think that the size of the graduating class was kind of small, given the size of the school? Yeah. I think they just yeah, I do feel like extras. that. They just, they just couldn't afford all the extras and the coordination. But yeah, it was way small. And then when does, where does Giles learn how to bake a cake? <laughs> when does he bake a cake? I don't remember that. Yeah. When does he learn how to bake a cake? When I'm does he bake a cake? Book. No. Well, then remember that's a bomb. We're going to bake a cake. Oh. I'm just using oh. the, the dumb Buffy lingo to bake a cake. Which is make a oh, oh, God. I missed make... the Zeppo reference. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm like, 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 I was like, Giles can't read Alton Brown. Like, okay. All right. I get it. <laughs> Mike got the Zeppo reference. He loves Zeppo. It, it makes sense <laughs> to me that Giles, is, Giles would know that. I don't know why. Yeah. It makes sense to me that Giles would know that. I mean, I don't know. Xander would know that of all of them because he was around them when they wanted to bake the cake. He didn't actually see them bake the cake. but And it could I have mean, been yeah, explained with Xander's military remembering. Yeah. And the Anarchist Cookbook has been around for ages. Yeah. You know, Giles probably had a copy of it when he was the Ripper. I would have thought like a, I would I would probably would have been happier if it was like all the bomb making materials and Willow had to say the uh, the spell to start the bomb going off rather than them having an old fashioned plunger like like a, <laughs> like a wild like she has to master the fire element to get it to work no like 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 they don't have like I feel like the plunger and all that is like kind of outside them but if they could get the get the bomb going then then the rest of the explosives I don't know to me it would have made more sense for Willow to be like off camera you know, doing her bomb situation, like a bomb spell. <laughs> Whatever. They didn't call me to write this. <laughs> all right. Didn't uh, have time to get a bomb spell together. You know, yeah. you saw the spell she was looking up, making ferns talk or whatever, right? Like, yeah. Communicating with shrimp. <laughs> great if like, if Xander's playing like Mr. Bomberman, or Bomberman 2000, and it's like, you know, the episode's like, I've got an idea, you know, it's like, it was like video games can precipitate ideas when you're in high school. Maybe that's just me. All right, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, so I want to do uh, recommendations before we go into themes. Recommendations. Um, so I recommend the movie Layer of the Layer of the White Worm, which is a uh, bonkers. Uh, Ken Russell film um, Ken Russell with a young uh, Peter Capaldi and Hugh Grant um, totally weird giant snake movie um, just like a legit weird movie and it's like I, I, I feel like it's a movie that's really easy to find cheap because it's one of his like uh, less respected movies and it's just got such bonkers weird imagery in it it's got like you know like goat demons being crucified and like uh, weird, sexy snake ladies and shit. 
Uh, I'm also going to recommend the South Korean movie D War or Dragon War because um, their dragons are pretty similar in style and quality to the mayor as a demon. Uh, it's a fun movie. It's from like 2006 or seven or something. Um, it's kind of weird, but I enjoy it. Um, and uh, this is more of a Travis recommendation, but this seems like the time to recommend it. We're going to recommend Can't Hardly Wait. Because <laughs> that movie takes place right after graduation, uh, and it's got young Seth Green. Trav, do you have anything to say about this movie? I love it. I love it. Uh, I'm also going to recommend Rock and Roll High School, because that's another they blow up the school movie. Um, totally fun movie. Um, the Ramones. Uh, Joe Dante was the like second unit director on it. On it. I oh, guess I didn't I, know that. I forget oh, who's cool. the credited director, but that a, that's a Roger Corman situation, right? It is, yeah. And they used a lot of like Roger Corman footage. There, you know, there's like the Roger Corman footage they always use. They got their uh, Joe Dante got his first like jobs doing um, trailers for Roger Corman, and he always no matter what movie he always put in a shot of like a helicopter blowing up. Uh, so stuff like that gets used in this movie. Um, and also because Mike said the thing about like, you have 12 hours to protect your neighborhood. What do you do? That made me think of attack the block, which is super excellent. Protect your neighborhood from the aliens movie. Um, starring young uh, Finn from star Wars. <laughs> I went to see a Roger Corman talk last year at a film event and I'm only bringing it up because it's such a weird random thing to go to. Yeah. He's super inspirational about film. It was like, <laughs> he was just talking about like, if he had more money to make a film, he would just make a bigger film. <laughs> I don't know. He was, he's, he was pretty rad. His, his approach to filmmaking is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I like cool. his thing. Like, especially, back in the day where it was like, I only want people to work for me for like two movies and then they should graduate beyond me. It's like, I want the talent, <laughs> you know? Cause like Peter Fonda made his like crazy biker movie with him before he made Easy Rider. Like you gotta, you know, you make your tryout movies with Roger Corman and then if you're any good, you move beyond him. And if you're <laughs> not good, then you just stay, I guess. Uh, so, okay. Um, those are my recs. Uh, was, there were a couple others that got mentioned during the podcast. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> toy soldiers, not small soldiers and, uh, not toy story, which I thought you're talking. I about. think small soldiers is probably the worst Joe Dante movie. Maybe pretty, pretty tepid. Uh, why don't we move <laughs> on to, uh, predictions. Virgin predictions. All right, predictions. Now, there's a lot to go through here. I'm going to try to go fast, and I'm not going to go with, like, some things I'm definitely intentionally saving because we're going to do a season three uh, wrap-up episode. So a lot of stuff that Mike said was going to happen in season three that either has or has not. So we're going to go through a lot of that in the next one. But there's a lot of stuff that – there's just a ton of predictions that got settled in this episode, which, you know – Makes sense. So anyway. I was on the edge of my seat watching this episode. So currently, Mike is at a 67.4% accuracy. I wanted to ask, uh, last episode, I think Mike says something about spiders will be a monster, right? Yes. Uh, We may as well take care of that now. Yeah, you did point that out, and that is correct. Uh, I neglected uh, to confirm one prediction for Mike. Let's go ahead and do that right now. 
So in season three, episode five, um, Buff, Mike predicted that Buffy will have a spider monster on. And we obviously had that a couple episodes ago. I forgot to, uh, to confirm that one for you, Mike. So that actually... All is forgiven. Thank you. You should start. You, you are starting, in fact, on a, at a 67.8. Uh, That's your actual starting place here. 67.8. So I'm going to try to go through these somewhat fast. Uh, so some of them are worth talking about. Other ones, we just, we'll just do them quick. All right. So first of all, in season two, episode eight, Mike predicts that Cordelia will kill a vampire. So that is confirmed. Wow, two episodes that long. Yeah, six episodes before that, Mike predicted that Cordelia will become a vampire-killing badass. So this is a little bit more grand. Do you guys think, I want a quick thumbs up, thumbs down, uh, Dennis and Travis, is Cordelia a vampire-killing badass? Oh, vote is split. <laughs> mm. I'm going to go ahead and give, cast the deciding vote here and confirm that one for you, Mike. I think she's a vampire-killing badass. I think killing one vampire is pretty badass I for anybody. Wrong. That's bullshit. I, I mean, if I killed a vampire, I'd feel badass. So I don't want to hold Cordelia to a higher standard that I'd hold myself. All right. Um, okay. Mike predicted in season two, episode 19, that Snyder will die during season three. That happened. So that's Just confirmed. Just the wire. I know. Okay. He almost made it. Um, Oddly enough, he also predicted in season two, episode 22, that Snyder will be dead in season three. He predicted it twice. So I guess we're giving him double confirmations on this. We're going to give him double points because he predicted it twice. Seems like a bit of a cheat, but I guess it's a double risk. So that's our fault for allowing it. Not much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, this one's a little bit more controversial. I'm going to need another thumb vote on this one. Season two, episode 20, Mike predicts the gang will fight a dinosaur. We discussed this (laughs) earlier. Did the gang fight a dinosaur thumbs up thumbs down fellas i don't think this is a dinosaur uh thumbs down says travis all right uh, dennis says it's not a dinosaur okay so we're just gonna leave that open they may yet fight a dinosaur i mean obviously they fight a dinosaur in that novel mike's reading yes in the novel paleo is that what it's called paleo they fight a dinosaur uh when everybody it's the strange novel about how everybody uh in sunnydale goes on a paleo diet and also fights a dinosaur um We'll, we'll talk about way, novels It's also later. the name of a really great dinosaur comic series by uh, <laughs> Jim Lawson, who's uh, the, for years was the main Ninja Turtle art- artist. He's drawn more Ninja Turtles than anyone else, and he's a great dinosaur artist. Lovely. Season three, episode 10, Mike predicts that Willow will lose her virginity to Oz in this season. Woo. So that is confirmed. Down Again, just at the wire. <laughs> just barely. Uh, now, this one I think is really fascinating. Um, Mike predicted the season three finale will be about Buffy and the team versus the Watcher Council. Now, they're not technically the villain, but actually the whole thing about Buffy saying, I prefer to think of it as graduation, right? Choosing to move beyond the Watcher Council, choosing to uh, not be a tool of the Watcher Council anymore. I think in many ways, the Watcher Council is more the villain than the mayor. I actually kind of want to confirm this for Mike because I think it's an interesting read. Can we give what him do you guys think? Can we give him half? No, no, because yeah, I, I, that'll mess I, up my spreadsheet. <laughs> I say no. I, I say Mike didn't. No, he you know, he, this wrong. is before he caught on that the mayor was the big bad, so he was yeah. like just wrong about it. But thematically, he picked on. He picked up on 
like Wesley says, this is mutiny. And she says, I prefer to think of it as graduation. Yeah. She doesn't actually fight the Watchers Council. She just moves beyond them. She turns her back. So it's a whole different thing than a team up fight. Okay. Um, so but- I say confirm. Dennis has denied. Travis, what's your vote? That, did he say that Watcher Council will be the big bad? It says the season three finale will be about Buffy and team versus the Watcher Council. Oh, no. No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, I, I, tried, I tried to stand up for you, Mike. Never, I know I have a reputation of trying to deny everything. I just want you to know I said I have a reputation for trying to get Mike as many points, but I had to say no. I agree. Thematically, I'm wrong on that one. But that doesn't oh, mean that right. Buffy might not, Buffy might not fight the Watchers Council in some other way in some other seasons. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe with a helicopter. I don't know. It was so unclear who the big bad guy was going to be in the season early on, and I wanted to make some uh, ambitious uh, predictions. So yeah, that's good. Okay, season three, episode fourteen. Mike predicts the mayor isn't going to make it through season four. Well, he didn't make it through season three, so he definitely didn't make it through season four. <laughs> I thought he was going to be around longer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, season three, episode fifteen. Mike predicts Wesley and Cordelia are going to kiss. That happened. That's confirmed. Uh-huh. Okay, um, this one I actually I should have rewatched to figure out this one out, but I can't remember. Uh, Mike said Wesley is going to leave the Watchers Council by his choice. Now, I know Wesley kind of has a mini rebellion against the Watchers Council. Does he leave the council in this episode? Does anybody catch that? Trav, do you want to say anything? I was trying to figure out if he, if he said he left or not. He said he was going back to England, but it didn't sound like he was leaving the council. Okay. Then he we'll leave that one open? Help. I've got to rewatch the episode, but... I'm, I think we should leave it open. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Confirm nor deny for now. All right. Did it have to be done in season three, or can is it an open thing that can happen? It's open. It's open. This one could be any season. Okay. Yeah. So we'll just leave that one. Leave that one open. Okay. All right. Season three, episode seventeen. Mike predicted that the mayor will ascend according to his plan on graduation. That was absolutely correct, as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Season three, episode seventeen. Mike predicted that the mayor will ascend to heaven. That is clearly wrong. Yeah. He ascended to being blown up. Okay. Season three, episode 17. Mike predicted the mayor will become an angel. That didn't happen. I mean, unless we have a very broad interpretation of angels, that did not happen. Okay. Season three, episode 17. Mike predicts that the mayor will be eliminated at the end of season three. That is confirmed. <laughs> There's so much wild speculation that happened about the mayor for so long. Uh, this one's kind of interesting. Season three, episode 17, Mike predicts Faith is going to leave Sunnydale at the end of season three. So her coma self is still in Sunnydale. So she didn't physically leave, but she kind of mentally left. I feel like this is denied, but... I think it's denied. I think she's very solidly in very much Sunnydale. In Sunnydale. Sunnydale. Yeah. Okay. All right. Season three, episode 19. Mike predicts the Hellmouth will be temporarily closed at the end of season three. Denied, right? I don't feel like it has anything to do with the Hellmouth, right? Yeah, yeah Hellmouth is, is irrelevant. Uh, season three, episode 20, the very last episode that we did. Mike predicted that Faith is going to kill the mayor. That is denied. Faith did Although, not kill the mayor. She did Wait, give Buffy the gives, clues yeah. she needed to kill the mayor. Right? Yeah, she really. That's uh, really cool. that that feels. No, that feels it's actually pretty good because that's a whole that's a whole premise of how you lure her. Him. 
Yeah. Okay. All of, right. This one seems controversial for some reason. I vote that's denied. What do you guys vote, Dennis? Um, I mean, I'd say denied, but I'd say, you know, there was ideas. Michael was picking up ideas that did get put down. True. Uh, True. All right. Fine. It just didn't. Okay. Come out so that one is unanimously denied. So that was a lot to go through, and there's a ton more to go through when we re- we do the recap of season three. Season three um, special coming next week. So, Mike, uh, I believe I said we started at a 67. You're actually at a 66.7. So it was only you only went down a tiny bit there. Um, oh man, if you could get a 66.6, that'd be exciting. Hold on. Well, He's actually, no, it is. It, it is a 66.6. Re- actually, it is a 66.6 repeating. That's actually uh, his square. I was rounding. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that's predictions. Mike, you have any new predictions? Yeah. Um, so this one, if you can help me word it more succinctly, but Angel takes place in LA. We know that show takes place in LA. This is an Angel prediction. Maybe I can't do Angel predictions. No, I Ooh, do, I, do I get to be in charge of Angel predictions? I mean, I... <laughs> no, I don't want to. We do need to decide how we're going to handle all this. I think this is a discussion we need to have in the, in the season three recap. But, okay, okay, great. But go ahead. Um, angel prediction is that Angel, because it takes place in Los Angeles, where there's movies, there's going to be a meta, more meta productions and so there will be actors uh, i'm sorry vampires will be mistaken for actors playing vampires that's all i've got on that front so far uh everyone this is separate this is buffy predictions now um oh yeah and related to that angel prediction one more angel prediction sorry angel will be in a movie when he's in los angeles (laughs) somehow do you think he'll be cast while walking his dog <laughs> I don't think they're going to get so meta as to do that. That would be amazing. But oh. I believe that Angel will just be in a movie somehow, uh, maybe accidentally. Oh, there we go. Angel will be in a movie accidentally. Like he will not audition. He will be in a movie somehow. He's on a case somehow that involves being on a movie set. And they're like, hey, go, you're on right now. You know, and he'll be on in the scene. Look at that sneaky kid. He's perfect for that movie, for my movie. The sneaky kid. The sneaking kid. <laughs> Somebody get him in the seat. What set is this? I, I feel like there's, even though we have this perception of old timey Hollywood, it's just like barking orders, go here, go there. Like, totally. Like, we don't have a guy, that guy. Um, so, uh, everyone from class of 99, Sunnydale, this is Buffy predictions now, is going to have PTSD from graduation. We know that. So, there's going to be a reference to graduation that just, like implies the PTSD that they've experienced in graduation in season four, in the first episode of season four. <laughs> There will be talking about how, like, in whatever they talk about when they're like in college, right? They're gonna be like, there's gonna be reference to graduation, be like, Ugh, still, still feeling the effects of graduation. Like everybody in season four, episode one. Yeah, because they're gonna reflect on what they did in their summer, right? <laughs> Everybody's like, well, we all saw each other in our giant group therapy session that we all went to. Every- <laughs> yeah, some kind of joke about how fucked up graduation was. Um. This is a new observation, but like clearly Buffy is built around the idea of like going to school. She's going to go to college. College is four years. The show ends after season seven, apparently. That means that there's four more years of school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. So this is another school experience. The show is obsessed with school. The show season seven will end with another graduation. Okay. I just heard Elizabeth laugh. Uh, and then vampires will be killed in, C- in I don't know, a C- future season, who knows, with an anti-vampire virus. 
some kind of virus, a biological agent created that kills vampires. Much like as in uh, Outbreak. Something like that. Outbreak scenario for vampires. That's all I got right now. Wonderful. I'm excited about these predictions. All right, guys. Uh, Before we finish, let's delve deep into themes and deep stuff. Deep stuff. Uh, so I, I just say that uh, blowing up the school seems like the kind of thing that crossed the line, that crossed over from like fun fantasy, like in Rock and Roll High School, um, to like too real tragedy after Columbine, uh, which is obviously one of the or the main reason this epi- this episode was delayed. Um, you know, I mean, we talked about this kind of heavy shit a lot last week, um, so I don't know how much more or two weeks ago. So I don't know how much more we want to get into it, but. I mean, I just kind of felt like it. I was kind of surprised it wasn't already sort of touchy because it's a, like a, it looks like it's a fertilizer bomb, and this is not that many years after Oklahoma City. So I was kind of. That's true. I didn't even yeah. think about that. I was thinking more about stuff like, you know, there's like a Sunday comic where Calvin blows up his school with like a bomber. You know. Yeah. It just it does feel like something that used to be okay to fantasize about uh, as like a rebellious act, like. Um, in the Muppets, when uh, um, what's his name does uh, his uh, school's out for the summer, there's like scenes of them blowing up the school and stuff. Do they blow up the school in Heather's too? Uh, they don't, but they try to. Yeah, okay. yeah. There's like an attempted school blowing up in Heather's. Like, I mean, that's a weird movie in terms of what it takes seriously and what it doesn't, right? I mean, this this whole episode feels really. I mean, the, the, um, there's so much, uh, so many people die. I mean, I guess the only thing that reminds me is the end of season one. Um, I think, right, all those kids died in that, like, classroom. Remember, there was, like, this massacre. Oh, right. One, remember. Um, but, yeah, yeah, no, it's, like, totally bizarre, like, how many people die in this, this uh, episode. So it definitely seems too real from that point. And then they go on and blow up the school with, you know, yeah, exactly. Fertilizer bomb. So yeah, it's 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 kind of bizarre. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, to be a little lighter, I guess. Uh, I just feel like Oz and Willow have a really like we see a really great relationship in this these two episodes, and their relationship looks like healthy, versus like Buffy and Angel's bonkers, insane drama. Um, so, I mean, we just, we didn't talk too much about like, that this is the episode where Willow loses her virginity. And I don't know, it's just treated in a much better way than the show has treated that before, I guess. Um, and partially just because Willow and Oz feel so real. Um, yeah. I mean, Oz is such Willow a and Oz, uh, they're both such good people compared to everybody else on the show. Like, yeah. I, like <laughs> I want to be like both of them. I want to say the only main character in the show who hasn't lost their virginity is Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> right? Giles and, Giles and Joyce, Buffy and Angel. Little you and don't Ollie. know what happened after the fencing scene, Travis. Cordelia uh, and some other people that she'd been with. Faith even lost, well. Or I, th- I yeah. don't think Cordelia's lost her on the show virginity. 
Uh, she's made, we haven't seen her have sex or anything, but she's made statements about. Yeah, being having, active. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think that would count if I was doing. If you're rule. doing like, like, so we're not saying like virginity we're just, we're, in terms of like whether they've actually had sex or not, but just like if the show has shown them having sex or like indicated a specific time they've had sex. Yeah. Like to be when it's very clear, not just an innuendo. Yeah. Uh, In whose endo? <laughs> I, I like the, <laughs> that's a healthy relationship. Uh, and that, that there's an actually example of what feels like a healthy relationship on this show. Yeah. And it's just so much less uh, than, the, than the Angel Buffy stuff. Like. I don't know. They can actually like have a conversation in bed and not have to go to the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Or turn into a serial killer because they had sex. All right. uh, Let's move on to the next one. Oh yeah. This is another high school blowing up question or, you know, theme, right? But so much of your life changes. I feel like for me, so much of my life changed after I graduated high school that literally blowing up the school really resonated with me. And I, I feel like it must resonate from everybody with everybody who's ever graduated from high school in the United States, right? There's nothing like being in high school and what that experience is like. And so did you, you know, do you have a sense of doom? Does everyone has a sense of doom when you, as you move towards high school graduation? Like, I mean, literally, you know, Buffy is in the Buffy show, right? It's like they're moving towards doom, like because someone's going to try and kill them on the day of graduation. And then the day after that, uh, there should be a relief because they will have killed the thing that tried to prevent them from living through their graduation ceremony. Like up until that moment. Uh, so I guess the question is like, yeah, do you have a sense of doom heading towards graduation? It, like in, as you re- think back to it. Yeah, I, I agree, Mike. I felt the same way. And maybe it was because of like so much of the heavy shit that was going on in our lives at the time and stuff. It really felt like, oh, we made it. We had, Like that feeling that Xander... <laughs> that they have of like, we survived. Yeah, no, we survived high school. You know, I get that feeling. I get that in retrospect. I think for me at the time, because of the whole like, uh, for me anyway, like the whole, at the time, the whole thing of Cordelia is like, are you going to fifth period? Of only being able to respond in terms of like indifference to everything. I don't think I stopped doing that the day I graduated from high school, I feel like I, I didn't feel like anything was being blown up at that moment. I felt like it was going to be the same shit the next day for the most part. Um, it wasn't until a lot later that I felt that way, but. I, I uh, think, I think it, I feel the same way as I don't feel the same way as you did, Mike, but I definitely think that was really important. Um, I didn't really dread graduating high school, but I sort of, um, you know, it definitely was a big deal for sure. Cause uh, you know, going to college was a huge, you know, huge decision. And um, you know, it was a big, yeah, it was a big, I don't know, big deal. Yeah. Well, with, with high school, it's like your life is so structured and so scheduled and that, and then there's the weirdness of being around all these people in this pressure cooker of hormones. And then it feels like if the school had exploded, like on graduation, I think I would have been like, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Good. Like if you could look back after graduate and then hit a button and blows up your school, I think everyone would. Cause it's like, fuck that place. Yeah. Like, and also like to, to have that era be just so over and done with, like, I don't ever want to return to that school again. 
I want it to just not exist anymore. Right. Yeah. And I definitely had that sense. I, so yeah, so sense of survival for sure. But then that sense of doom, cause like, I also don't know what's next and I've spent so much time in that world. I feel unprepared for what's next, <laughs> despite that it's supposed to be a preparatory in, you know, getting you ready for what's next. I had so much anxiety about the next stage in my life as far as what would happen and what would yeah. go on. And this, this brought it back a little bit for me. And I feel like imagining that the school blows up is like an easy fantasy because it's like, obviously when I leave, this can't continue. <laughs> they can't keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get they it. Do. I get that. I felt a lot yeah. during this episode. It's a weird, it's interesting to like, a lot of the emotions of high school were so intense at the time, but feel so remote now and so hard to like connect with again. Uh, that every now and then the show does it and you're like, remember what that's like? And it's like, whoa, fuck. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the moment of silence that Oz calls for to like, moment of silence because we survived and then survived high school. It's just yeah. so deep. So, so true. But it's also, yeah, it's also meaningful that it's only a moment and they're like, okay, and now new shit's gonna happen. Like, yeah. yeah yeah moment over <laughs> and, um, and i know we don't deal a lot we don't talk a lot about anime and manga and stuff but like so much japanese comic books take place in high school and I know this is just a dumb aside but like clearly you know it's, they're equally traumatized or more traumatized by that experience because they're trying to find ways to relive it and do it better yeah <laughs> and well and like high school seems so much more intense in japan because it's like it's real prep like not the fake prep we got but the like real like you have to test make all these intense tests that are going to like determine the rest of your life. Um, speaking of anime, I don't think we've ever really talked about that. We were in an anime group together and that's was how we defined our identity a lot in high school. Uh, I don't know if that's really worth, I feel like we'll never mention it again because <laughs> this is the end of high school, but we were in an anime group that the, high school wouldn't even sponsor so we met in the public library um yeah we were the non-creepy people in the public library <laughs> just watching our anime hey, porn in the public hey, library we watched, non -creeps. we watched the first episode of pokemon like right was that was about to blow up you know in in the u.s so we were we were ahead of the curve with pokemon which is like, <laughs> Um, I'd like to say I've never been a huge anime fan. I just liked hanging out with you guys. I didn't I give know. a shit about any of the anime. <laughs> and you made that very clear at the time, John. Yeah. Did I really? Yes. Well, I think I'm sorry. Thing, I don't <laughs> think your opinions have ever changed. Yeah. Okay. We didn't hold against you. Uh, I think the one thing that like is so true with well, it's like a spoiler, but um, like high school ending and being a big deal is like really important. I think a lot of it cause is because you'd be like afraid that your friendships wouldn't, you know, your friendships from high school don't last. So we are like literally the luckiest people because all our friendships are from high school. And they here, we are. here we are. Here we are. That's why I like that our high school friendships have lasted. Oh, I love you, Travis. That's so sweet. Oh yeah. That's what everyone worries about at the end of high school. Right. Yeah. That's like graduate. That's one of the reasons, one of the 10,000 reasons, you know, but it's like, all these people we're gonna go away we'll never see each other again and never connect and it's like we beat that we beat that rap that's true that's yeah. true um, in a big way great. uh i had this next note of um i read two essays about buffy and morality i want to talk briefly about and i'm going to do it super 
fast because we are running out of time. Um, but I read uh, the essay, Faith and Plato, You're Nothing, You're Nothing, Disgusting, Murderous Bitch by Greg Forster and also Sprack Faith, The Problem of the Happy Rogue Vampire Slayer by Carl Schud. Um, <laughs> so both of them are about um, the morality of the show and where it fits into like different moral theories. And they both use faith as examples um, of either being like anti the morality of the show. Uh, one of them, the faith in Plato says that the basic morality of Buffy is neither Christian nor Nietzschean, but, um, Plat but Platonic, the, what, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's like eudaimonism. And it uses faith as an example of not that. Um, and then the, the other one is a lot funnier to me because it's using faith as an example of like faith is uh, completely right by Nietzschean standards because she's all about self, about not serving others, about service to her own um, pleasure and view of health and stuff. Uh, and that she, <laughs> that she even falls in with an Ubermensch. Uh, so I just thought these were kind of interesting. Um, but in the first one, it had this good line about how even when Faith is on the right side, she is only good in an external sense. She uses forces for good because her actions result in promotion of, uh, of good ends such as the production of weak uh, but others. But faith, uh, like, uh, it's just an interesting idea about faith never being, like, internally good by the, like, platonic standards of, like, what makes a good, good person versus what, blah, it's not super interesting, sorry. But it was exciting because it's the first time we've gotten to a point where I can start looking at this book again and not, not have it be full of spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there are some funny lines in this. There's an introduction, like, they say, like, uh, when faith enters, she like enters as a vamp, comma or parentheses not vampire. Uh, <laughs> uh, so okay, that's it for that. Um, nice. But if you want to talk about Buffy and philosophy, I might be bringing that up more later seasons. All right, uh, <laughs> Mike, do you have a, a final thought? Um, how did you enjoy these episodes? Oh yeah, I enjoyed these episodes. <laughs> I had made so much speculation about what might happen that my brain felt like it was going to explode at the end of uh, this show along with the school. So I was happy for an explosion. Helped me mentally transition to the next <laughs> season of this show. Uh, I am excited to watch Angel and to watch season four of Buffy because they do such huge changes in the act breaks. Um, but I, yeah, I enjoyed the tension here. It felt like anything could happen as far as like what decisions they could make. And uh, they made a couple big decisions and a couple weak decisions. I was surprised they let Faith live I, uh, I was disappointed with that because it felt like it didn't, it didn't feel right. It felt like Buffy should have killed her and like fed her to Angel and that would have been a more permanent move. So I was surprised about that. And then uh, I expected the mayor, of course, to turn into an angel. So I was disappointed that that didn't happen. <laughs> I wanted them to ascend to heaven and then have an angel fight versus a demon fight. Uh, I was wrong about that. So I was like, oh, cool. Another big monster, just like season one uh yeah it was it was fun i'm excited to see a new set hopefully they move on to a new library <laughs> uh, in, <laughs> in the school in the future school yeah uh, um, it'll be like a boy meets world situation where like giles just is always in some way their librarian even though it doesn't make any sense <laughs> i think so and then of course they're still going to go to the bronze which will be sad too they're hanging out in the same places they hang out in high school i mean some things are not going to change on the show feels like all right let's definitely put that those in for predictions for okay the next episode. 
Maybe. Uh, we're not putting them in now? Let's just remember them if we can. Okay. I think right. those are good predictions to, to oh, put sure. in the yep. recap. Yeah. Okay, we'll put those in the recap. Cool. All right. Uh, I have been uh, Dennis St. John. Uh, you can find my comics uh, online at Dennis Comics, uh, Twitter and Amazon and Instagram, all that. Um, uh, you can listen to me. If you want to listen to me talk some more, I promoted this last week, but uh, you can listen to me talk about monsters for a good hour or more on uh, <laughs> Funny Book Splatter. Uh, so that's where you can find me. Uh, where can you find other folks? Well, I'm on YouTube, Michael Poley, and I will be starting a Twitch stream uh, where I'm going to play some of these Buffy experiences as they become available, but I'll probably be playing some other games as well as uh, Vampire the Masquerade. So it's kind of a Whoa. urban fantasy themed game. I'll probably be playing that over several play sessions. I'm only going to do it once a week because I don't have the time to be a serious Twitch streamer. So hopefully going to start that on Thursday. I will either do it Monday or Thursday of a given week because those are the best days for me. Uh, so I will tweet out that. If you follow me at Michael Poli on Twitter, I will let you know when that thing is happening. But right. I would like to start this week, but we'll see. Uh, don't forget to uh, like us and subscribe and give us reviews. We love it. We love it so much. <laughs> we love all the reviews. <laughs> yeah, good and bad. <laughs> I hope right. Surf to Die For is still listening. Uh, bye, everybody. See you in hell. Oh,